Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching like a mighty army, Wrexham is the name. Choice on all to fearless in devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored by that very fine establishment, the Fat Boar. Now, we have a slight break from our usual podcast format today, as you will almost certainly have noticed, all is not well among Wrexham fans at the moment. The team is really struggling to click, and by all accounts, yesterday's performance against Marine rivaled the Chesterfield one from a few weeks back. There are also some issues off the pitch too. Now, we are not here to slam the club. We love the club, but if you can't have a fair and balanced chat about what's going on at your own football club on a fans podcast, then when can you? So we've just finished recording that conversation now. I was unable to attend the start of the chat, but Andy, Tim and Liam had plenty to say anyway. Thank you very much for downloading, first of all remember you can contact us about any of the stuff that we discuss fearlessindevotion at gmail.com we'd be delighted to hear what you think about how the season is going at the moment and any off the pitch problems you're facing in the meantime we hope you enjoy the podcast What we'd first like to talk about is yesterday's game with Marine. And I, I know, Tim, you were there, and we've had a quick chat beforehand about, about the true severity of what that was like on your soul. Take us through it. Yeah, those scars have uh, 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 bored deep on my soul. It was just beyond the pale. I mean, I mean I've, I've, I've tried to describe it as best as I could before we started recording, but... Yeah, I've tried to put context around it. I've tried to sort of see it for what it is, but what it was, what it is, is abject, disgraceful, embarrassing, gutless. Take your pick. I mean, there's, there's not enough words for it. It was that bad. It wasn't football. It wasn't even anti-football. Take the word football out of it. It was shite beyond belief. And it was, yeah, it wasn't a good day to be a Wrexham fan. Um you know, there's a, a small part of uh, of Merseyside that are thinking, well, what's the big fuss about? They were rubbish. And you would never would have guessed who were the 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 team three three leagues higher than the other. It was just dross. And yeah, there's a lot of question marks hanging over us after that performance, especially with it being the strongest 11 he could have put out. Is it the same old problems, Tim? So I know we've talked about um, we've talked about lack of control in midfield over the last couple of weeks. We're having a bit of problems defensively, especially from set plays. Was it those, or did anything else sort of rear its head yesterday? So why we couldn't get a foothold into the game? Well, the lack of midfield is has been well documented, and that that was there for all to see yesterday. As soon as as soon as one of the the, the guys at the back get the ball they're looking ahead of them and they don't know where to play it. They don't play it on the ground to players in front of them. They'll play diagonals, left, diagonals, right. And invariably it'll go out of, out of play. So where are we getting with that? It's not a possession game. We can't even get the long ball game right yesterday. It was just awful to watch. The set play, like you said, I mean, you look look at the goal. I mean, you know, I think it was Hayden that got, got beat near post. The guys flicked the header on. It's a good header. It's good technique, really. I don't know if he meant to score it or whether he's trying to aim to flick it back into the danger area, but Hayden wasn't very good. 
Um, but the same could be said for probably 10, 11 of them yesterday. Um, take Dibble out of it, played really well. Um, yeah, it was just, we just don't have a plan. We don't have any plans. You know, it's all very well bringing players in of quality, but you have to play with some quality. And there was no quality on show whatsoever yesterday, apart from that one moment of magic from Jordan Davis that, that ended up getting us out of prison, really. And Liam, what's your view on things at the moment? I know you were at the Chesterfield game. Yeah, that that was a very, very strange game. And I think, as I said at the time, but for the Langton penalty save, that's you know, that's a very different game. But it's just, I've, I've no doubt that you know Neil Young is a decent, for an ex-Chester manager, I rate him quite highly. And he will have checked our team out and you know set his side up accordingly but the, the golfing divisions and the amount that we've spent on player recruitment in the summer I just don't I just don't see you know an excuse for it really I'm not saying you know let's go and sack Parkinson straight away but I think it's definitely time you know to ask questions of what's going on because he's just sticking to this system which we can all see it's not working He's not tweaked anything about it, which makes me think it can work. So, you know, at what point do you say, you know, let's try something else? Yeah. I mean, I think what we'll do is later, we'll probably we'll have a look at the systems and we'll probably come up with some, some teams that we think may have a better chance with the players we've got available. But at the moment, I mean, we've, both, we've all mentioned it, the signings that have come in. We've spent a lot of money on these players. Um, and, you know, it's the best sort of pound for pound sort of monetary value we've had on players for, for quite a while. So let's let's go through the players one by one and just sort of give them a sort of an early sort of, I don't know, an early rating of, of what we've seen. So first person they signed was Sean Brisley, but I think that's probably a mute point because none of us have actually seen him play. So we'll probably move on to Aaron Hayden. I'll go first. I thought he was absolutely brilliant against Solihull. I thought you looked a class signing and I thought we'd we've had a real diamond on our hands. I think it's fair to say that he's gone backwards a little bit since then. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I mean he's he's a right unit. He's uh, well he's just massive, isn't he? And and you'd expect him to be better in the air than what he's shown in recent weeks. On the deck he worries me a bit. Um instead of just doing the basics, being a defender, you know, doing doing the dirty work and then getting rid. He'll try and play it out from the back, and sometimes he's caught. He's been caught a little bit flat-footed. We've got away one or two, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's a really good player. I just, I just don't know if they're struggling with the weight of expectation. Um, it's a different kind of pressure with with the backdrop of what's going on with with the, with the takeover and everything else. But yeah, you expect him to come good at, at some point again. But you know, this this defense we've we've assembled all come with pedigree, but they look like they're playing as a, as a, as a, as individuals rather than a defensive unit. And that's the concern at the moment. Liam, do you want to have a quick say on Hayden? Well, we paid oil money for him, didn't we? And, uh, you know, look where it got us, but I, I don't know. There's, there's clearly like Andy said, you know, the early season performances, you thought, yeah, we've got a player here. And it's just gone a bit downhill from there. One thing I noticed at the Chesterfield game was how closely he was playing to the right back, Hosanna. Uh, I don't know if it's because, you know, he's had a couple of different players there next to him and he feels the need to, you know, come across and try and protect, but he just kept getting caught out of position on that side. So that was a concern for me. 
Liam, do you want to go into Toza, who is his central defensive partnership? Now there was a big there was a big chase for this lad, and we we all were really happy when we signed him. It looked like a proper a leader on the pitch. Do you think it's worked out for him yet? Defensively, I don't think he's done too badly to be honest. I've seen he's come in for one or two pelters, but that side of his game I'm relatively content with. I think that the thing that's been the talking point with Tozer is the uh, the long throws. I think there's been a few games, um, particularly home games, where it's been built up massive expectation only for nothing to come of it. It finally came good um, against Chesterfield. But no, generally speaking, I've, I've been relatively satisfied with Tozer. Tim, what's your view on the big man at the back? He's big, like Hayden. Um, looks the part. It's still early days. He settled in relatively well. He shows he's a bit of a warrior. Obviously, he thought he'd broken his leg, and then he plays the next game. So, says something about his character and, the, and his kind of drive and, and his willingness to want to play and, and really step up to, to the plate. He's essentially our captain with with Young out the side at the moment. The, the long throw-ins have taken a bit of a while to, to happen, but they looked half-decent yesterday, and obviously it paid off against Chesterfield. Um, has he hit the ground running? No. Did we expect better? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he, he he's, he's done all right. He's done all right, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we're still um, we're still not quite there with the, with the defence yet. And Reese. Hospital ball on this one. Who would you rather have in the centre of your defence, Toza or Sean Pearson? Apologies for being late to start with. Um, I would rather have Ben Toza, I think. Um, I think he offers a bit more. Um, obviously, we discussed the Pearson situation um, when he was released and when he went to Grimsby. I, I still think that Toza offers more, and I do think that... It's very early days. He's obviously a more better quality footballer and that will pay dividends. We might not have seen it in its entirety yet, but I do think that we will over a 43-game season. I'll finally just have a quick word on Toza. Look, we're struggling with set plays and he's the big man at the back. He's the guy in the centre of the defence. He should be the person telling people where to stand, where to go, who to mark, who to get close to. I'd like to see a little bit more of that and I'd like to see him take more charge of that to try and stop what's quite a leaky part of our side. So next up, as we go through the team, um, Bryce Hosanna. Reese, we'll come back to you firstly. How have you seen him? So I've not seen him in the flesh yet, um, but from what I've seen, it looks really good. Um, You know, he's obviously young and quite raw, um, but he's got pace. Uh, He looks like he can get a ball in. But, you know, as I say, we're, we're, we're seeing so little of his perhaps his ability because of the way that we're playing, which I suppose you could, you know, we can say at the moment about a lot of people, but um, he reminds me a little bit of like of Cam Green really. He's in quite quick, good little footballer, um, good footballing instincts, maybe a bit lightweight, um, but you know, we're we're certainly not getting the best out of him at the moment, are we? So I'm not sure. Tim, do you want to go next? Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen much of him either. Obviously he's, he's not long come into the side, but I think by all accounts, I'm sure you can vouch for this. He was really, really good at older shot in the game that got rained off. He was. But but yesterday, Marine, he looked like a, a Wrexham fan that had won a competition to play in his team for, for a game. He was dreadful. Um, he was ball watching. It bypassed him. He was lightweight. Um, 
how can you be bullied by a team that are th- three divisions below you? you? You need to man up, or yeah. you're not you're not going to crack it at this level. Getting a career, he's come down and, and great that he, he's dropped so many levels, but he needs to kick on um, and soon. Uh, what I would say about Bryce is he looks to me like your archetypal academy footballer, someone who on a good pitch on a good day would be lightning. What he does need to do now is actually realise he is in a fifth division team. He's in a battle. He'll have to be switched on all the time. He's got experienced people trying to get the better of him. And at the moment, it looks like they are. What I would say about Aldershot is he was a bit tentative for the first part of the game. But once he had a couple of good runs, you could see the confidence start flowing through him. And I do think he is a confidence player. I think if he gets a few good runs and maybe a few assists with him, I think we will have a good little uh, a good little player there. Reminds me a little bit of Obeng when he first joined. Liam, what do you think? I was literally just going to say that we had a player who was a bit of a confidence player at right back before, and his name was Curtis Obeng. Not going to make any bold predictions and say that he's going to go on and do as well for us as Obang did, but he started brightly against um, Chesterfield, got in behind them early on and caused a couple of problems before things went to shit. Um, but he's clear, he was well rated um, when he came to us, and I've just, I just don't think if we're going to play fullbacks, play to their strengths, you know, get someone to partner up with them on that side. And, and give them the bloody ball to feet, for Christ's sake. Um, and also, oh, I, I think you need both fullbacks who can bomb forward, which is why I'm surprised that Cam Green hasn't been given a chance. Because if we've got players on both sides doing that, you can really pen teams back. No, I agree with you. Um, I'll start on this one, which is a bit of a strange one for me. Um, so David Jones. So he's coming as a player coach. You know, we all sort of thought we made it needed a bit of experience, someone to really cover the midfield, someone to add a bit of nous. Now, now I do sort of wonder that there was two players up for it, Dean Furman and uh, and David Jones. And I wonder if Furman would have played a little bit more. Now, in the first game, he looked a little bit off the pace, but you thought that would come with matches. The second match he played, he got sent off. So he's not really been in and around the the, the, the squad at the moment. Um, Tim, what do you think about David Jones? Do you think there's room for him there? Yeah, I mean, in pre-season, I was quite excited that that he was here. I thought with the, with the wealth of experience he's got, I thought we can benefit from that, especially with such a you know large turnover of players once again. They need to have somebody to kind of nurture them through, really, especially the likes of Pearson and so on going. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, he's he's not the most dynamic of players, is he? I mean, his age is, is showing up at this level, early doors. Obviously, scored, scored a belter at Solihull. I just, I wonder what, what impact he's going to have on the playing side. I mean, he was nowhere near the squad yesterday. Is, is he very much more of a part of the coaching team? with a little bit part role or does he play play more than what we're expecting I'm a bit disappointed I hope he plays on Tuesday um, you know I, th- I think we, we need somebody to, to, guide, to guide us through or, or just some somebody somewhere to make just try a pass he's got the vision he's got the experience we need something, somebody to do something different and I think why not why not give him a go why not I mean the only worry for me with him is that with the athleticism of sort of Marine with, with some of their younger players, they might they might pass him by 
And as we already know, that's a, that's a pretty big, big gaping hole we've got in midfield as it is. But yeah, long story short, I wish he was playing more. He's not. I don't expect him to play that much, uh, a vast role this season, unfortunately. Reese, would you like to see him utilised more? I would. I mean, especially as, you know, on paper, that kind of player is exactly what the team's missing at the moment in terms of some steadying influence in the, in the middle of the park, maybe to sit a bit deeper, you know, his legs obviously have gone. He's an old bloke, but as in, he, he, they must have seen enough to have wanted to give him a contract, albeit a, in a player coach role. So I'd certainly like to see him more. Um, you know, it might not be the answer, but as a, certainly something's something's not quite right at the moment. And even though I'm, a, you know, usually an advocate of patience, uh, the players who are playing at the moment obviously aren't performing. So why not? Get, why not give it a go? See how it goes. That's my view on it, anyway. If we move on to a player who's slightly confusing me, James Jones. So he's come in again. It's a fee. Um, it seems to me that we spent a lot of money on a 2021 version of Paul Barrett. I'm not really sure what what this guy is bringing at the moment. I'm not sure if he's a playmaker. I'm not sure if he's energetic. I'm not sure if you know he's someone you need in, in the final third to open to open things up. I mean, Liam, what, what do you think about James Jones? Do you think there's a player in there? My question is the same as yours, which is, you know, what what is his position? If anyone can tell me, because when I saw him early doors, he had that disallowed goal um, in one of the first matches. I thought, oh, okay, you know, maybe he's a decent attacking midfielder. But I, I've tried watching him in a few games because I have wondered that for so long. I'm no closer to to the answer at the minute. Um, is he a number ten? I I don't know to be honest. Tim, do you know? No, no idea. He's one of those kind of strange players that have come in and, and I've kind of almost forgotten he's there, to be honest. Um, I don't know what he's brought to the team. Um, underwhelming. I feel like I'm like the sort of Simon Carroll, Craig Revel Horwood of this pod at the moment. I'm struggling to find any, any positives, which is a bit rubbish, isn't it? Um, well, you went to Marine, so you're hurting more than the rest of I us. Am. I am. I'm, yeah. uh, can you tell? Can you tell I'm hurting? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's too similar to what we've got, and maybe that's that's a problem. Um, but for me, it's kind of, again, a, pl- a player that's come with pedigree, but doesn't seem to have have quite kicked on through the gears yet so it's a bit of a worry so James Jones has had a lot of minutes Liam McElinden hasn't now he's probably very similar to to, to Jordan Davis but but Reese, would you like to see him get a, a bit more of a chance and what do you think he can bring to this side Definitely, I really like McIlinden from everything I've seen. He's got he's almost a bit unorthodox the way he's on the ball. Sometimes he's very very left footed, but he always seems to you know a couple of times he's he's created an opening out of nowhere. Um, he's got a good strike on him. You know he had a good effort on goal in the first game against Solihull. Um, that nearly sort of sealed it at the end. Um, I really like him. Um, and James Jones, I think uh, I'm intrigued by James Jones because. For whatever reason, it's not working. He's a quality player. We signed him from League One, where they were complimentary about him. You know, it's it, it, so it's not, it's nothing to do with his ability. It's the same way that I feel about Toza. Same way about Hayden. You know, Hayden's been poor the last few games. It's not the lack of ability. Something is wrong in the system, um, and I don't know what it is. And it almost seems like I, th- I get the impression that Jones is a bit of an attack midfielder as well. 
the all the midfield central midfielders we got are attacking basically. We got we got Jordan Davis, James Jones, Liam McLinden, all quality players, but it's almost like we're trying to shoehorn them in somehow. We haven't any got any sort of any Jay Harris is there. Um, but no, I'd definitely like to see McAlinden play more because I think uh, I think he could work well off the strikers as well. If we wanted to play more like a 4-3-3, he could be part of a front three, I think. Um, that that I wouldn't mind seeing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, the midfield's a tough one. Yeah, the midfield is a tough one. Before we go on to the strikers, who I think probably we will be all complimentary about, uh, Harry Lennon, um, been a bit of an unsung hero for me. I think not many people were bowled over by the signing. But every time I've seen him, I've been impressed. I think he's a good, solid, compact player that if we can keep fit, I think could be one of the mainstays of, of our side. What do you think, Liam? Um, I, would, I think he's been managed very carefully by the management. I was watching on um, one of the home games where they were, they were sort of, <laughs> there was someone coming over to give him, what the hell are those packets that they chuck on the pitch for the players? <laughs> those gels. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and I don't have a clue what's gels. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was cocaine. It's called. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but much like um, spice, much like the toes of towel, there was a bloke specifically on the side of the pitch, chucking these over to Lennon. And yeah, I've, as soon as they think that he, he's picking up in a knock in a game, they take him off. So, but I think he's really solid player, and supposedly Les Reed rates him quite highly as well. I don't know if that's a good omen or not. Yeah, he but, must be uh, good then. Yeah, he must be brilliant. <laughs> Do you know what? I think we'll get on to Les Reed uh, pretty pretty soon. But Tim, what's your views of uh, Lennon being so far best defender of the season, would you say, so far? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Probably one of the best signings so far out of all, all, all the ones we've had. You take sort of mulling out of it. I think he's been very, very good, very solid. His reading of the game is really good. But like, as you said, you know, it's all about keeping him... Uh, free from from injury because obviously there's, there's no great uh, surprises that he's had problems in the past it's well documented can we keep him fit I think that the management are doing their level best to try that and they probably recognise he's, he's probably the most consistent performer in that defence so you know that says a lot about him it says a lot about the others as well to be honest um, just going back to McAlinden I know Reese described him as unorthodox his passing was certainly unorthodox yesterday. Um, it didn't think he'd passed it. <laughs> 12 to 15 inches in front of him. Awful. His passing was awful yesterday. But despite d- d- despite this, this character and assassination that I'm sort of laying down on, on the squad, um, I just want to point out that somebody said to me on the way out of the ground yesterday, so you can't, we can't blame the players. He said that they're, they're, they're simply being told what to do and following out the instructions. So, you know, that's fair enough. They're, they're trying to follow an instruction from the management and it's not working. I was going to say, if you're the Craig Revel Horwood, am I the Bruno Tonioli of this podcast? No, I'm just... You're the Len Goodman. I'm the Len Goodman. Everything's a seven. Yeah, fine. <laughs> right, let's, let's put Hyde and Mullin together because I think they are a partnership. They're a partnership I want to see all season. I think Hyde struggles with injuries, but I think Mullin has been the player we all thought he would be. Liam, they've, they've been the bright spark for you. Yeah, Mullins, different gravy. There was that sort of debate where, you know, opposition fans were willing him to be the mercenary who it didn't work out for, but every sign points to that's not going to happen. He's a cut above. I like Jake Hyde as well. Like you say, he's in and out with injuries, but can't fault him whatsoever. And if anything, if he's consistently on, I actually fancy him to potentially get more goals than Mullin this season. 
they're they're a good good duo. They complement each other nicely. Um, obviously, Hyde's weighed in with a few very tidy goals, very tidy finishes. Mullin, like Liam said, he's he's definitely earning his money as well. The only worry I've got is is when it's not working like it wasn't yesterday. Mullin was dropping deep as a as a sort of midfielder, like picking the balls. I was like, well, if if he's there, then are we then then playing one up front? It was, it's almost like he's trying to do the jobs of two or three other people, which is great. I mean, you know, he's earning his money, but that's not his role. His role should be up top, knocking the goals in. But so I think his mantra was, right, I'm not getting the service, so I'll try and provide it myself. Um, and that's something we can do without. And, and again, that that really focuses the attention on midfield and the massive issue we've got there. But yeah, Mullin, brilliant. Um, already a sort of cult hero amongst fans. Hyde doing the sort of the uh, the dirty work and more of the unsung hero side of that of that strike partnership. But yeah, overall, early signs are good. Reese, eternal optimist, Williams. Do you think we're getting the best out of Moen? Oh God, no, of course we're not. But they're quality, so um, you know it'll come good. Believe in Les. Believe in Phil. Just if you believe hard enough. It'll work, I promise you. Wasn't it Cher that said that? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I I've and I've I've always said it too, you know, I've always said it. So I I I reckon trying to be a little bit more optimistic, by Christmas time, we'll be in the playoffs and we'll be uh comfortably in the playoffs and we'll be ready to push on with a couple of big signings in January. No problem. But thirty points behind Grimsby. <laughs> no, what, what I will say is, I know I said last week, uh, Torquay were twelve points ahead at Christmas. They weren't; they were eleven last year, but they were decent. But in the end, they they just about held on to second place. They could have finished fourth in the end, but for a mm. couple of turnarounds. So <clears throat> it's a long old season, and also it is it is a uh, two or three year project. We've got uh, players in on. I know, obviously, we we want to get promoted this year, and project is a horrible word, but that's what it is. So I'm trying to stay as level-headed as possible about it. As you say, it is easy to say that when I didn't go to the Marine game because by all accounts it was it was dire, um, and it's very frustrating not to see the players perform. But um, I'm sure it, I'm I'm hopeful that it'll come. If it doesn't, then obviously the management team are in a, a world of trouble. Well, we can't talk about the play side without talking about Phil Parkinson, but we will get to him. First off, let's have a quick word about Les Reed. Now, something that's interested me, and I just wouldn't mind your your guys' sort of opinion on this. There seemed to be a conscious effort to keep Devontae Redmond at this club. Now, we've already said that there's quite a few attacking midfielders, and did we really need another one? Did we? Do you think keeping him meant that we didn't get the midfielder we should have had because that a midfield berth was already taken up. I mean, I know, for example, that, you know, when Phil Parkinson came in after the retained list, he said, well, I've got no centre-halves and no experienced midfielder. Do you think that there was there was a bit of a, a jar and a cross-purpose between what, what Reed left Phil Parkinson to work with? So you, was he a Brian Hughes signing, um, Redmond, wasn't he? And I, I got the impression when he came in, he was probably one of, you know, Hughes' biggest signings, wasn't he? He'd just come off the back of that decent, well, second half of the season for Salford. And he was meant to be the, you know, the bright young thing that was really going to help us on the attacking front. So I don't think he's on a on the lowest wage um, out of the squad even now. And yeah, uh, the, the more spaces are taken up, um, the, the, the less money that you've got to spend. I think Gary Mills alluded to it 
the other week, perhaps there's less sympathy for him. But um, you know, that, that's not to say that there isn't isn't space for it. Parkinson either doesn't trust him as a player or doesn't believe he's good enough to play. It's as simple as that. I mean, we were told by a we won't name it was as a previous podcast guest that a lot of a lot of the recruitment side was done on on um, statistics and stuff and how they, how many games they played, how many minutes they how they performed, blah blah blah. So how can that be attributed to offering Redmond a new deal when he hardly played? Um, you know, it's it's still a massive question mark that needs answering. I, I, we've we've hardly seen him again so far this season. I don't know. Is is he is 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 he the answer to our prayers in midfield? And we we just don't know about it yet. Or are we going to get to the point where we're going to have to find out because we've got no alternative? It's just a weird conundrum with him. I, I don't understand it. He's a pretty attacking midfielder, and again, like a number ten. We've got too many of them. We've got too many of the same kind of player. Do you know what I mean? And there's no Darren Ferguson type is what we need. Someone who can just spray the ball around and is a presence in the centre and who's not wanting to get behind the strikers all the time. But um, I don't know in terms of the ins and outs of the transfer um, uh, about how that came about. It, it is frustrating. And say, we you don't want to complain about the the business we did because, you know, Christ, if we'd have said we'd have had Ben Tozer and Paul Mullen, you know, last season, that would have been incredible. So, you know, they've pulled off some massive coups but it is frustrating that the thing that was blindingly obvious through the whole of last season it should have really been the number one thing they wanted to fix and it and it and it wasn't and we are paying the price for it now um i just hope that we can get to christmas in touch with the with the top three so we can bolster it in january right simple question to everyone are we still with phil parkinson liam you go first i think we we have to be for now because every season you know pretty much since we've been down here bar one or two it's always been seen as the you know the golden bullet hasn't it get rid of the manager and everything will be great again and that hasn't really happened by and large so I, I just don't see what what choice we we have who's out there that you'd bring in right now so I'm not particularly happy with the way things are going but for now it just has to be a yes as far as I'm concerned Tim you're still smarting from yesterday if I'd have yeah. asked you the same question at uh, at five forty, uh, sorry, four forty-five, would it be the same answer as today? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it's way too early to pull the trigger, isn't it? As, as much as as much as I hated yesterday's performance, whichever way you look at it, Phil Parkinson has been around the block, and he's old and ugly enough to realise that yesterday was not acceptable in any way, shape or form. And whilst he's not gone on on camera to say that won't do, this won't do, and he's kind of like glossed over it a bit, he will know that any repeat of that performance yesterday isn't going to do him any favours whatsoever and he's not going to see six months of his one-year deal. That's just the fact of the matter. He needs to turn it around. He needs to turn it around fast um, because the kind of good grace that he's had and continues to have for still large sections of, of of the of the fan base will start to run out if Tuesday is going to be repeated in any way. It's if sorry, if if yesterday is going to be repeated in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, back him for the time being. But yeah, he needs to, he needs performances and he needs performances quickly. Reese, what do you think? 
I'm contractually not allowed to offer opinions. I don't like this new format where you're asking me questions where I have to offer my opinion on things all the time. This is not the way it's supposed to work. Um, this is, this is how, how every guest feels. Contractually, <laughs> you were supposed to be here at seven o'clock. Carry on. <laughs> I, sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Patience is, I think, uh, key. I don't think you can sack someone after even 15 games unless it was really quite awful. I think... I know it's been. I know there's been bad performances and some very bad performances, and and very few good performances. No complete performances. However, we are nine games into the season. We've lost two. Can we all just calm down a bit? You know what? It's a good point. So let's try and help Phil Parkinson out a little bit. I am going to give my preferred eleven. How I would like Rexon to play in the formation. I would like with the players we currently have available. Now. Obviously, Leighton might be injured, but I'd, I'd obviously pick uh, Rob Leighton in goal. Uh, I would go to a flat back four. I would pick uh, Hosanna at right back. I would have a back two of Brisley and Lennon. And on the left wing, I would have Jamie Record. Now, I would change the change the midfield to a diamond. I would have Toza at the bottom of that diamond. I would have James Jones on one side of the, the diamond. I would have... Um, Young, if fit, on the other side. If not, I would probably give Redmond a go. Up top, the diamond, I would have Jordan Davis, and then I would obviously have a front two of Hyde and Mullin. Anyone else want to go next? I like that. I, 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 I've been inclined to agree with the old diamond formation with Tozer in at the middle because he's the obvious one uh, for us, even though you know he has said before that he didn't like playing midfield and he felt he's better at defence but perhaps to get us through to January I think it's not a not a silly way to set up I'd have I'd have record out of there straight away he's 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 been putting too many poor efforts in recently you got I will show my workings in a bit well yeah I, I think Green probably should have the edge of rim Tyler French as well on the other side, I'm not convinced on Hosanna but like you said I'm still smiling from yesterday so I can't really give a full balanced and fair opinion. I'm going to go for the formation which paid the most dividends for us in this division under Andy Morrell, which is the 4-3-3. Uh, now, I don't know how you're going to get the the mix entirely right in midfield, but in terms of the back four, if everyone's, assuming everyone's fit, I'll have Leighton, Cameron Green, Tozer, um, and then, so it's Lennon, Lennon or French, and Reese Hall Johnson at right back. Midfield, I think just because you, you do need some form of anchor in that sort of setup, I think probably Dave Jones, give it a try, see how it goes. Um, Jordan Davis, and who was the third one? Bloody hell, my mind's gone blank now. Oh, Luke Young, Luke Young, because you need someone that can carry the ball up and down the pitch. McClendon on the left. Ooh, this would be controversial. Mullin on the the right of it and then hide through the middle doesn't sound like a bad side to me I'll be honest now just to show my workings in my effort I think I think you need Brisley at the back to lead the defence because I think in that formation you need your fullbacks to get up and down now record isn't great going forward but he is a big unit and I think he will add a bit of height because I think if you put Green and Hosanna in to that defence you're a little bit 
you were a little bit smaller. I'd go Hosanna just because Reese Hall Johnson isn't fit at the moment, but I do think there's a player there. And if you've got Toza who can fill in when your right back is bombing forward, I think you've got a f- more fluid defensive unit. I'd also say that putting Brisley in there would actually make Toza's long throws a little bit more potent because you would have someone tall who can attack the ball because your biggest, tallest person who attacks the ball best is actually taking your throw in. What I would say is in midfield, I'm stuck with with who we've got. So, you know, I think we've got to keep keep going with James Jones. I think there is a player in there. I think, you know, if Young is fit, obviously he gets in. But if not, is it Redmond? Is it is it Jarvis? I don't think there's much of a difference, but I would like to see a free role for Jordan Davis because I do think he can impose himself on a game. And these tactical nurses left us all uh, speechless. Now. <laughs> uh, I, I played too much Championship Manager in my youth. Um, <laughs> just, just one last thing before we sort of wrap up the playing side. It was interesting comments from Mark Crichton on uh, Twitter over the weekend. He was sort of questioning how much of the documentary might have an influence on it, saying that players can't really discuss things in the, maybe in the dressing room or really, really get things out in the open because they've got a camera crew following them, following them around all, all day. What do you reckon, Reese? Two things on that. One, I'm sure, uh, you know, I don't know if to what extent that's true because I'm sure that. Parkinson said when he took the job that there had been discussions and he said something on the lines of we will have time just to us to discuss things so hopefully that is the case number two they haven't been there for a while have they is that is that right they've had a few weeks off haven't they the last few weeks yeah I, I bumped funnily enough I bumped into one of the the cameraman uh, after the was it after the Chesterfield game recently anyway and he said that they'd had a few weeks off although I'm told that uh things were going to ramp up in October, whatever that means. Well, maybe they've been crap because there's no cameras there. So uh, they haven't been there the last few weeks. So it's going to improve now when the cameras are back. Who knows? No, I, I think, you know, it could it could be an issue, definitely. Um, not not convinced there's enough evidence that that's the case yet. Fair yeah. enough. I just, I just don't buy into that. How can you, you know, be a professional footballer and if, if, the, if the glare of a camera is affecting your performance, then... You know, you need to put your big boy pants on and quickly. So I might have been there anyway, shape or form. A few your catchphrase today: uh, big boy pants. Harris, Harris, and Ashton, right? But didn't didn't Harris and Ashton say Ashton said he wouldn't like it? Harris said he wasn't a big fan. Is there? You know, I, I could I could see the point. As in, you know, you you might some of those discussions you have in a changing room are very frank, shall we say? And you might think I don't want this recorded, so I'm not going to say it. I'll just stay here and shut up. You know, so I can I can see how it would happen. Because um, you know you, you don't want to be sort of recorded for posterity, effort and blinding. It's like, oh, my nan's going to watch this. Do you know what I mean? So, I, as silly as it sounds, I can see how it comes about. I have yeah. a very similar approach on this uh, podcast. Uh, I try not to swear, but it doesn't always happen. Just in case my mum listens. So yeah, I'll be honest. It's very, very, very unlikely that my mum would listen to a Rex and FC based podcast. So fuck bollocks. <laughs> the most innocent swear words you could come out with brilliant right let's move to off the pitch because i know we know things aren't 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 rosy on it but there's a few problems starting to creep in it's again you know the club's been taken over we we don't really want to put the boot in but i just I, i think we just do need to address some of the stuff that's happening off the field i mean i think there's a real lack of communication at the moment i think 
I think we were pl- promised a transparent club when Robin Ryan came in. I'm not really sure it's happening at the moment. Tim, what do you think? Um, what, communication? What communication? No, there's been none. Um, yeah, I mean, without giving too much away, we've we've made various requests to the club um, for things um, to assist with the fanzine. Um, we were told from the beginning that, you know, any any issues come back to us and, and we'll sort something out. That didn't happen. We kept on getting fobbed off and we're not given a straight answer. Um, I'd rather just been given a straight answer. Just say either yes or no, you can have this, you can have that, you can have this access or you can't and be done with it instead of stringing people along. There's a lot of angst and bemusement over Fleur Robinson. A lot of people saying she never answers emails, blah, blah, blah. Are we getting enough from them you know there's been a lot of change over staff i went to the club shop the other day and i said you know can i can i come and get my flags because i've noticed that you've put the flags up in various parts of the grounds and showing them off which you know wasn't really part of the deal but you know we'll we'll, we'll get on with it and they said oh we don't know where your flag is um, but we'll get a box and you can go through it it's like okay so i'm going I'm to sit through a cardboard box in the club shop looking for two flags which i provided to them during lockdown, you know, to put in the, in, in the, in the stand behind the goal. And they went there and I said, well, you know, can I, can I get them? Oh no, but what we'll have to do now, it'll be, it'll be the sort of the game on the 30th where you'll be able to access. Oh, hang on. You know, can, I, I've borrowed you something. Can I have it back? You know, this is like base level stuff. So that that's, that's where we're at in terms of communication and to a little bit, a little bit of, um, contempt I suppose is how I was left feeling the other day I'm like well I've come here for, to pick up my ticket and also to get my flags uh, we don't know where it is and you'll have to come back in a couple of weeks um, not good enough a couple of things from me first of all I, I'm getting a talkie ticket tomorrow or today if you're downloading this podcast I'm dreading it because I think the last time you had to get me tickets Andy because I couldn't do it the, on, the only time I've had I've successfully got tickets without any issue have been away ones when I've got them directly from the away team uh, the, the ticketing system just does not like me or a lot of other people from the sounds of it but it will not let me buy anything try to fix it but um, hopefully it is fixed for tomorrow but I don't know uh, the second thing would be Tim, you mentioned Fleur. We did email the club asking for an interview um, with Fleur. I think it was about a month or two ago now. Um, we uh, didn't have a reply. Maybe, you know, someone else might want to elaborate on this and stuff. But, you know, we're only a little old fans podcast. But, uh, you know, we, we appreciate we're not the, the mail on Sunday. We're not, you know, we haven't got the readership or the listenership of, of that kind of thing. But it's a great way to communicate with fans. And I don't think it's unreasonable to to ask and if the answer to that is no to receive an email back saying thank you but no thank you and this is why and that's fair enough but you know haven't even had that Liam do you want to pick up on the ticketing yeah um I'll, I'll just say to start off with that I sorted a ticket out for Marine today and it was relatively straightforward but um what the the big issue I think for a lot of people about the Marine arrangements is that it's a very short turnaround of time and tickets are only available from nine to five from from the race course. So there's been a lot made about, you know, we're the club that represents half a nation. So if that, that being the case, in you know, in theory, you've got people working nine to five in the likes of Welsh Pool, Anglesey, et cetera, et cetera. 
they're not going to be able to get come and get tickets in time, are they? So we've immediately disenfranchised a large section of fans. And in the 21st century, in 2021, should we have e-tickets? Absolutely. I don't understand why not. We've, it's been the case that you've been able to print them off at home for years. And I think we were promised, you know, tickets that you could scan on your phone this year. Um, I don't know why that's not happened. But just one thing I wanted to pick up from what Reese said, which is I don't want to slate people at the club. I don't want to... S- Slate the club full stop. All I would just say is just come on, come on this show. We're not here to, you know, we're not here to Paxman anyone. We're just fans who. Well, I thought we were here to Paxman people. (laughs) Well, you're here to Paxman people, but (laughs) no, I just, I think it would, it would help to open up lines of communication. Just come on and have a chat with us. You know, we're not here to to skewer anyone. Just just open up the lines of communication. I think it would do the the world of good. So that's my direct appeal to the football club. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I've had problems with merchandising. You know, I I I, I booked a, I got a home shirt on July the fourth. It didn't come until a couple of weeks ago. I had no. That is that is crazy. That is crazy. I, you, know, you know, I had no emails from the club saying where it was or anything like that. The same thing with the gin. It got sent to a different address. They then sent me another one to another address and it was open. You know, it's just, look, I'm a Wrexham fan and I don't want to kick up a fuss about stuff like this. But, you know, because I've, I've supported the club for, for years. But, you know, it does get to me a little bit. It does get you down a little bit. And I'm also thinking I can I can take this from the club because it's my club. But what about new people? What about people ordering a shirt from, from across America? It just, you know, if the same thing is happening, it just leaves a very bad taste in the mouth. And all I need is a little bit of an email here saying your request has been processed or sorry, we're out of stock at the moment, even though the, the, the shop is full of stock. Now, you know, that's all I wanted. Um, in the end, I emailed Jeff Scott and he sorted it out sh- straight away. But not many people, you know, have access to just go straight to Jeff and say, can you can you sort this out for me? So I, I just thought that was a little bit off. Now, I want to move on to something else. And we've not mentioned him at all in this podcast. And it's because he goes under the radar so much. It's Sean Harvey. So, you know, he... But he, he runs a club. We we know that. This is Sean Harvey's club. Now, we thought Fleur was going to come in and have a very prominent role. I don't think that as yet has really happened. But so it looks like it's it, Sean really, really running things. Now, I do wonder if there's a bit of an old boys network there with him and Les Reed. Um, I do think we've sort of shed, well, Wrexham, because we spent so long, in non-league, I thought adventure, you know, we had shed that we're too good for non-league. We shed that tag. We respected the league. We got players in who knew about the league and knew what, what to have to do. We got, you know, we, we, we were very thankful of our fans, of our community. And I do wonder if we've gone backwards a little bit on that. Reese, what do you think? I, it's a fair question. Uh, one of the concerns with Les Reed from the start, wasn't it, where people were saying, you know, the, the person who's in charge of recruitment doesn't really know this league at all. And, you know, they've, they've signed League One caliber players and I think they will come, they will, well, you know, Paul Mullin obviously has already come good. He's been superb for us. Um, but I think the ones that aren't performing will come good and will prove themselves. But there is that underlying niggle of doubt that I do have, which is exactly what you're saying on the pitch as well, is that have we, are they try, they're trying to set up a League One club and I think initially, I remember Humphrey did an interview with Radio Wales early on and he said, you know, what they want to do is set up, they want to get a set up. That means that 
they're not going to sign a lot of journeymen and just sort of try and buy their way out of the league. They want to set up a system that's so efficient and so good that we will just inevitably climb the leagues. And that sounds great in theory, but it's not happening. And I think off the pitch, there's an argument to be made that it's a, there's a similar thing happening maybe, um, you know, with, with, with some of the, with some of the issues, I don't know what's going wrong, but um, yeah, I know what you mean. Look, just, just one last thing before I hand it over. I think Redmond is a good example of this. I think Redmond was signed on with a little bit of, we will make this player work. And I think it's been proved over over the last couple of seasons that that is a very tough ask to make to, to make Devontae Redmond work at Wrexham. I mean, by of course I want him to. He's a lovely player on the ball, but I just it just struck me a little bit of I just didn't really see the logic in that. In it's that almost signing. it's almost a naivety, isn't it? It's almost is uh, it naive, oh, a little bit well, of arrogance? Yeah, possibly arrogance as well. Is it possibly like? No, the, that coaching staff couldn't get the best out of him, but you know the one that we'll put together, a, a football league standard coaching staff, will be able to, and will be, able, you know, it's possibly a bit of naivety in that they were naive. Yeah, you could call it arrogance, perhaps. I think they're having a bit of a wake-up call. What Reese said, Liam, do you have a view at all in terms of Sean Harvey? Um, I think look at who <laughs> the thing with Sean Harvey is he was mentioned. Mentioned him a bit in the summer, didn't we? Talked about him then. People weren't really willing to listen. They say, oh, you know, your WST troublemakers type of thing. But um, I've spoken to a lot of people about Sean Harvey, and unfortunately, there's not many with good things to say. And there's people who will say he's not running the show, but all I'll respond to that is, you know, just look at who's writing the programme notes, who's, you know, who's attending events on the club's behalf. A lot of the time, it's... Sean Harvey, and he's, I think he seems to be having fun in the programme notes, having a pop at the the league about TV arrangements, etc., etc. But I think there's a, a, a large element of learn to walk before you can run in terms of this football club at the moment. It's it's great that we've got pitch side advertising boards from Wembley. It's great that we've just imported some turf from from Holland. But let's just get the basics right before we start trying to act like a football league club. As, as one of those steps has already been addressed, though, with the whole um, access to the the club's YouTube and Nixler and all that, um, they didn't exactly say, oh, we've made an error, but it was a case of, you've now got all this for free for the rest of the season, even though we wanted to charge you, and the ones that paid will get refunded. So is that kind of like a, a little bit of contrition, even though they're not fully showing it? But it, it, it's clearly, you know, like you said, then it, it's got to be baby steps. You can't just transform it overnight and, and milk the cow dry. It's got to be done. Yeah, yeah, it is contrition, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice if someone just came out and said, you know, we got this a bit wrong, but you know, we're changing, we're changing it, and this, you know, and this is why. But I, what I would say about about the regime is, we were we voted for it. We wanted football professionals to come in and run our football club. So. We have football professionals of a lot of experience in the game running our football clubs. So, you know, on one hand, okay, it, it's not the lovely little community club we used to have, but on the but on the other hand, this is what we wanted. One thing I did think is when I read one of those Sean Harvey uh, program notes was, you know, he might be a you might not like him, but he is the kind of person you do actually want on your side. Do you know what I mean about that? It's kind of like he, he's he is a big hitter and. Uh, although I, you know, I accept the point of the, you know, first and foremost, 
you've got to be able to do your bread and butter stuff. And I think the club is maybe running a little bit before you can walk. Make sure you can, one, sell tickets and to everyone who wants them and to get merchandise to them when they want it. And then all the, you know, the rest can come. Right. Final thing from me. Um, it's a bit of an open question, but do you think the owners really know where we are? Do you think that anything's been hidden from them, but be it ticketing, be it, you know, performances? And do you think there's any issue that they haven't been over yet? Um, I don't think there's any issue that they've not been over. We know they're busy people. It's been documented that they're busy people, one with films and attending various red carpets and, and doing the promotion, the other, you know, recording over in Ireland. Um, somebody said to me the other day that, oh, well, you know, my understanding is they've been over a few times in that time, but it's highly unlikely. So I don't think it's a massive issue that they've not been over yet. So what? You know, they can view from afar. Will, will they be privy to every every little thing that, that has been scrutinized? Probably not. That's why they put the, the structure in place. So that's why they've got people to put the structure in place for them. They said they know nothing about football. So... Are they going to be massively asked as to whether the e-ticketing system doesn't work at 9am on a whatever day it was to get the marine ticket? Probably not. That's not going to be their their issues. So uh, I'm sure if it becomes a major, major thing, then people will be, you know, Fleur will be reporting back to them with some sort of agenda to say this, this and this needs addressing. But I can't imagine it's on their, uh, their high on their list of priorities, to be honest. I think they're both both clearly well-intentioned. I don't think there's any issue whatsoever that they haven't been over at all. I don't expect them to tweet about us every match. I don't expect them to be here all the time. But I think the one thing about the this sort of style of ownership we've got is that you have to place a lot of trust in the people that they put in place. And it's hard to say at the moment, isn't it? The jury's still very much out on a lot of things, but I would expect some of the things like ticketing, like gin sales, etc., to be done better. So I don't I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world that they're absentee owners in a way, in a sense. But um it it can lead to to problems if they're not aware of absolutely everything that's going on. Uh, before we go, should we do really quick predictions? But before predictions, Tim, yesterday you uh, made a rather big error and or a very big promise, didn't you? Yeah, I, I was. Sometimes it happens, and I was kind of hoping secretly it would. I thought, well, you know, it'll be worth it if it happens if it manages to keep us in the cup. So I think it was like the last few minutes, and I said, if we score an equaliser now, I'll quite happily wear. Uh, Liam's Chester shirt that he bought as part of the forfeit for coming bottom in the Predictions League last season um, on a future pod. And lo and behold, Jordan Davis stepped up to ensure I have to wear Liam's said bought Chester shirt on a future podcast. Even if we record it and and we film it or whatever, I'm I'm not going to hide away from it. I'm glad I did it. I'll be even more glad I did it if we managed to get through in the replay. So yeah, I'll take one for the team. Is How snug right? is that going to be? I don't know. I mean, I've put on like, I've at my body weight in, in carbs whilst out in Prague and uh, Estonia. So it might be snug for a week or two. So let's do it maybe towards the end of I can do it as a Halloween thing, can't I? There you go. Scary Halloween shitty shirt. There you go. That, that ties in nice. Do you want me that. to wash it first? <laughs> yeah. I don't. 
I don't want you to wash it. <laughs> I'll rub it on my pits. <laughs> oh, right, that's, that, that's enough of that. Um, okay, predictions. Um, Andy, I don't think there's any change because I don't think any of us predicted a marine draw. But um, nope. do you want to? Yeah, do you want to? We'll tell you what, then you go first, then Andy. So are we doing Marine right. and Barnet? We'll do Marine and Barnet. So okay. for Marine, I am going to go for my 2-0 victory again. And for Barnet, I think they're in disarray, so I can see a 3-1 away win for the, for the Reds. Uh, Reese, do you want to go next? Yeah, are Barnet in disarray? Last time I checked, they only lost one in the last five. <laughs> um, <laughs> I put you on the spot now, haven't I? Sorry. Uh, but I, I don't know, since Kewell's gone, I know they, they haven't won many, I'll give you that. I think they picked up a few draws. I don't know, I... I um, fine, I'll, I'll just get on with it. I think we'll beat Marine. I think we'll win uh, 2-0. And I think we'll uh, draw with Barnett 1-0. Uh, oh. Tim, do you want to go next? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to say we'll beat Marine. But Jesus Christ, it was so, so appalling. Yeah, all right, we'll squeak through. We'll squeak through 1-0. I want to say that they're going to run out of steam, but they're very well drilled. So I think we'll, we'll sneak a one um against them at Nantwich Town. And I think I think we should have enough in the tank for Barnet. I imagine the players will be doing overnighter, so they'll be fresh for the game. So I'll go... We haven't scored more than two goals in a game yet, have we? So I'm going to go... We're going to break that. I'm going to go 3-0. Wow. Liam, what do you reckon? Uh, I think we will win against Marine, but I can see them scoring because of our defensive problems I'm going to go for 2-1 to Wrexham um, and then Barnet game oh I've, I've checked what uh, Reese said and that they're actually not in that much of disarray anymore by the looks of it so I'm going to go for oh I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Barnet <laughs> oh wow terrible that's putting me to shame I mean, Barnett was saying that we're in disarray, so, you know. Yeah, what a three-fee yeah. prediction that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a bit of everything there, but bit, a bit, bit something for everyone in those predictions. So um, thanks again for listening. Uh, podcast will be back um, in its uh, normal guise next week, we hope, unless something drastic's happened. Uh, but thanks very much for downloading and uh, speak to you all soon. Is everyone? Yes. Yeah.